Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur. That's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In each episode, we have a special guest joining Saf in discussion with journalist and broadcaster Adrian Kibler. This week, Saf talks to aviation professional Vince Essex about whether resilience is an essential prerequisite for anyone looking to go into business. So let's join their conversation. Welcome to another Canny Conversation with a Cause, a conversation that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. Saf, we've got a really interesting guest with us today, haven't we? He's an old colleague of yours and you've been talking about him for, for, for years. The, the gentleman that's with us today is Vince Essex and Vince and I go back a, a very long way. Um, he was in nappies and I was just finishing <laughs> uh, secondary school when we first met. Vince is, uh, he's Mr. Aviation, spent his whole life with his head in the clouds. So he couldn't have anybody much better to be with us today to talk about the topic on our agenda, which is resilience. Saf, what does resilience look like to you? What does it mean? Yeah, I came from a personal, but I mean, we can all Google and, and look at uh, the word resilience and, and look it up on the, in the dictionary. That's quite easy for us to do. But uh, from a personal perspective, I think it's uh, it's the ability to cope with adversity, you know, ability to cope with difficult moments, uh, dark moments, dark times, and how do you recover from that? I think that recovery is important. Uh, so not to lose sight of the big picture, the wider picture, the vision, uh, where you're going, what the plan is, and not to be too much inward as well, and to be able to see uh, see ahead and see through that particular moment, whatever that moment is. And I think from my perspective, it's that self-belief. It's being able to understand that every journey is going to have some ups and downs, and you're going to have some... Uh, some downhill moments, but there's always going to be the uphill moments as well and be able to really see the wider picture, the bigger picture and for what it is as well and, and not to get too obsessed with the the negativity and, and go through that. How do you keep smiling, Vince? How do you keep yeah. going when the time gets difficult? And, and of course, having, you know, being in aviation, then, you know, the COVID pandemic has been truly dreadful. We're going to talk in another episode more specifically to, with Vince about aviation. But more generally, Vince, you must have had some dark nights of the soul. How, how do you cope? I think, it's, as, as I've said, exactly the same for me. It's, it's trying to remain calm, making a very, as I say, head up in the moment of, of, a, of, a, of a disaster or a crisis. And, you know, I started my business just literally post 9-11. We then survived Ash Cloud. Mm. We survived financial crisis. We're now gone through the uh, pandemic, which at the start was a month. <laughs> yeah. I must remember saying to my staff, don't worry, I'll see you all in May. Yeah. That was 2020. And I didn't see some of them for 18 months after mm. that. Mm. But it was, yeah, for, for me, I think, continue being focused but personally I think my passion for aviation has helped my resilience mm. you know knowing that uh, you know I'm so strong-headed about it it did, was determined to keep me going no matter what uh, Saf may agree we've made some mm. I've made some bad decisions mm. in the past but we've we come through them and then you're faced with having to make decisions which are beyond your control 
uh, which was such as COVID. And, and that's for me been, I think been the main, the main thing is remaining calm, but solely focused that there always is a road out of it. It's just choosing the right road out of it. Seth, there's a term, isn't there, that says that the, the knock that doesn't kill you always makes you stronger. Seth and then Vince, is that true? I, th- I think we live in a world which is uh, what they call a VUCA world, which is V-U-C-A, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. So that's the world we live in. We, we don't have all the information. We sometimes have to make decisions based on the information that we know. There's certain things that we don't know. Certain things, it's, it's, like, it's like that saying, you know, you can only control what you can control. And the things that you can't control, you have to let them be and really you know, be in a position where you can be a little bit more adaptable. You can be a little bit more focused in terms of the things that you need to be focused on. And I think that's the key from my from my perspective. It's something that we've all had to be better at and get better at. It makes you stronger on the on the whole. But it's also putting things in perspective and, and not losing sight of that perspective, really. Of the batterings that you've taken through your life, Vince, ultimately made you a stronger and more effective business person? Yeah, without a doubt. I was going to say, that I think the C word you're looking for was crazy. That <laughs> seems to be the, the crazy world we're living in at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, as you uh, just said, Safi, again, remaining focused, there's some, been some bad times and how you deal with that. Everyone is, is dealt with individually. COVID has been actually... A, I've probably learned more in COVID than yeah. I have done the, the previous five years. I mean, yeah. I think from, from even HR-wise, I think, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, you think you know everything as a business owner, HR or risk mm-hmm. assessments mm-hmm. or uh, law in this area. But, you know, you, you can, yeah, you know, absolutely. you get bad times, but you can learn from those bad yeah. times and learn the loss in them bad times. Have you, Vince, I think I'm right in saying that you work essentially for yourself almost from the beginning, haven't you? Whereas Safras, you spent a period in the corporate world, working for other people before you went into a business yourself. Do you think that both of you, you know, and be honest, guys, be honest, have there been times when you thought, blimey, I wish I had a nice civil service job or I was a teacher or something like that, decent salary, long holidays, sick pay, holiday pay, guaranteed good pension? You must both at times have thought, I wish that was me. Actually, quite regular. Yeah. To be fair, I'm not going to deny that. There are times, you know, every, every couple of months you think, oh, I track all this in and I'll, you know, get a consultancy job somewhere and <laughs> be quite nice. And But I weigh up the pleasure of working for myself, even the, the upsides and the downsides, the passion to keep going and to keep your income going in, generating a profit. And no matter what the life versus work balance, it still outweighs for me that, that corporate job. Um, mm. As much as the perks of you just say sound nice, I still say that the best freedom I have of, of driving down the road at three o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at <laughs> night thinking, well, someone's not saying to me, I want this on my desk before four o'clock tomorrow or else, or the, the pressure, that the, it's a different kind of pressure. It's, the, it's a lot of pressure working for yourself, but yeah. it's a kind of f- not a free pressure, but there's, you know, you're setting your own targets and they're not being set for you and I think mm. that's a, a big been a big decider for me working for myself is having mm. that that freedom but yet you know my hard work is rewarding for me and my family and those that work for me not not a corporate mm. so that's just my personal take on it of course mm. and most of all I, I, I actually agree with Vince uh, I mean it, it is about choice and we make that choice in terms of what we want to do it doesn't necessarily mean less work a lot of the time it means more work and harder work and and uh, tougher uh, we don't have that cushion 
that sometimes we get. Mm. Uh, and often, you know, we always look at the grass is green and on the other side, you know, when I was in that sort of corporate environment, my thing was, I want to move away from that. And yes, there was perks there, you know, we had free lunch, you know, we had uh, we had all the benefits, you know, pension, you know, final salary, pension scheme, all of those sort of uh, cushion was there, all those benefits were there. But you know, my yearning was, you know, what is my sort of passion? What is the thing that's, that really keeps me going? And you get into the position where you want that choice, you want that freedom, you want that element of pushing yourself continuously. And for me, moving away from that sort of corporate world to make a bigger impact to, you know, for that word is important. I think that mm. bigger impact, that contribution was my thing. And this is the reason I went into sort of social entrepreneurship. I wanted to make that bigger difference, make a bigger difference in terms of what I was doing. And yes, I was a contributor in a large organization, but I, I felt that I could do more. And for me, is that element of what could I do more? And is this it? And and that was my sort of calling and that was my journey, yeah. really. It's a great entrepreneurial skill to mm. have that mindset that you feel if you're in a big corporate on a good package, doing a good job, mm. even at that level, you felt that you could do more on your own. I mean, mm. that's just, you know, a, a great thing to hear. Now, I, I, conversely, I'd probably struggle in a big corporate now, having worked on my own for myself, being in charge of my own destiny for 20 years. I think if I walked into a big corporate tomorrow, I probably would struggle. You'd probably uh, be unemployable. Uh, yeah, you probably, <laughs> probably right, actually. You'd probably be unemployable because that's yeah. that's what we are. We, you know, we, we need yeah. that element where, you know, yes, fine, we can work with rules, we can work with that, but we, we also need to set our own vision. Mm. And I think that vision is important. Yes, it's not always about money. It's not always about more money or more pay, whatever. Or it's, it's about really the direction of travel that you want to go to and that's probably the apt word here the direction of travel where you want to yeah. set yourself and where you want to go and you want to be controlling your own destiny that's right, yeah, and yeah. I think this is where sometimes people leave their work because they feel that you know I don't have that control I'm not no longer the master uh, or the mistress of my own sort of destiny yeah. and I think we, we want to believe our own vision and, and work towards that that's, that's right any true. level across a corporate sorry yeah. You're not in control, even as the CEO of a, of a, of a large corporate or uh, entry level, you're never in control of, of mm. what you just said, where, where it's going. I don't think even nowadays you could probably name a CEO that's 100% in control of where that business is going. Yeah, I mean, just takes that thought forward, Vince, if we could. One of the reasons people work for themselves and set up in business is because they want to be their own boss. Well, actually, they're not their own boss, are they? I mean, the business that you run, you... You work for a number of different airlines. So you're not really your own boss. So you're somebody else's boss, but in a slightly different structure than perhaps a traditional structure. And the same with, with you, Saf. You talk about the ability to control, but you can only control up to a point. You know, you are dependent upon other people. You are dependent upon, you know, people that want to contract on your services. So Vincent and Saf first, if you would, isn't that idea of being your own boss a little bit of a delusion? I think we all have customers that we have to look at. We all have rules and regulations and we also have these uh, these things that, be, uh, that we work towards and these frameworks that we look at. And it's not about necessarily the fact that, you know, we're power freaks or power hungry here or the fact that we want it all our way. But I think it's ultimately where you have an element of choice 
you want to be in a, in a position where you can contribute, you know. And I think even if you talk about things like branding and, you know, marketing and advertisements in, a, in an environment of a completely corporate environment, you wouldn't have any control over how that brand is positioned or how the advertisement is or the fact that if you wanted to try certain things, you would have to put a business case together and so forth. This is where the entrepreneurial mindset comes in. And sometimes, you know, if you can get that balance right, you know, which we, which is what we're trying to do at you know at our organisation, is to have an element where people are in a corporate, in, try not not necessarily corporate environment, but in a company environment, in a business, but they've got an entrepreneurial mindset. There's an there's an entrepreneurship that they can get in, and this is what we call entrepreneurship. You're in in a business environment, but you've got some element of choice. You can try different things. You can you know try and fail, and you can test and fail. That's what we're to, what I'm talking about. Sometimes we don't have the the benefit of that in certain organisations. Yeah, and it's similar to me. I think as I contract as a consultant for airlines, if I was to, to roll out an entrepreneurial idea, having been an employee of that airline, I don't think it would have worked, but being a consultant and bringing my expertise in-house, it gives you more flexibility to roll something out and bring new ideas in, into a business, which mm. I know people that work for corporates that, that say to me, having a drink in the pub, oh, I've got this idea, but it, mm. it fell flat on, on, on deaf ears. I don't know why it has. And, you know, I just feel again, bringing your expertise externally in as a consultant. And that's how I contract has worked. You know, I've changed things within businesses that I'm 99.9% convinced it couldn't have been changed if I was on their books as a, at any level inside that business. When you left school, Vince, did, did you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you kind of fall into it by accident? So I, I'm just interested in the story because, you know, Saf's story is of someone who, you know, worked, for want of a better word, in a conventional way and then went into entrepreneurship. What motivated you to take that route or, or was it like so many things in all of our lives, a bit of an accident? It was a combination of things. I think they always had an underlying idea when I was kind of 18 that it would be nice at some time in my life to work for myself. I did a couple of different roles in aviation when I was 18, um, right through actually till I was 25 when I started my own business. I got a bit of expertise. Then an opportunity came along at the right time and now then was the right time to start on my own. It was a massive struggle like most people when they start a business for the first few years and then it it rolled from them things fall into place a bit of luck you know you rode hard times but yeah I think there was an underlying to do that to work for myself I always felt that the the better freedom and the ability to be in control of my own destiny was probably key for my life and I it is for the next 20 years of my 30 years wherever I how long I work for I don't think I'll ever retire but but you know there'll always be something to do in a business somewhere um so yeah we were doing this recording in the um, the early spring of 2022, and of course, one of the benefits of podcasts is they can be picked up anytime. They're sort of out there almost forever. So that just provides a little bit of context because I want to move on to talk about specifically the impact of the COVID pandemic on the world and, and in the UK. And aviation must have been hit by that perhaps more than most other sectors some people of course had a good covid didn't they it wasn't all bad you know if you've got a you know a nice secure job you worked from home you got your pay you didn't have to worry about commuting charges and, and all the inconvenience and yet for others it was incredibly difficult you agree with that don't you sir 
we have discussed this a number of times and and we've you know we've come to the same conclusion the fact that it's you know people have been worlds apart to a certain level and uh, there's individuals you know who have the luxury of of space in their home who've got a, who've got a garden who who absolutely loved it and uh, you know less travel and they've got the skill sets they can work from home and and have been able to work from home and uh, they've had that freedom uh, on, on the other side uh, multi-generational families where you know they haven't got the space you know you've had uh, uh, difficult times in terms of mentally they've they've had to deal with pressure from a number of family members living all together with they've never really had that you know we've had people you know who are going out at uh, different times where they're all stuck together uh, they're all there doing their own things. You know, some of them are doing their schoolwork, some are doing their college work, some of them are uh, at home that like they have been and others are working and they've all had to do that and cope with where it, it's been unusual for them. And uh, at the same time, we've, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, in our, in our care business, we've had to deal with and understand the fact that those carers have got family as well. They're also parents. They're also, you know, potentially uh, personal carers as well as professional carers. And all of those things come into into equation. And we've also had to, in some cases, convince and talk to their family members the fact that, they, you, know, we, you know, they need to go out in the front line and care uh, because their services are needed and their contribution is needed to keep people alive and keep people going. And so there's different aspects of it. And I, I've struggled in some aspects of it, help, helping my uh, younger child with his homework. And it's, that's probably been tough for me, as well as trying to run the business, as well as giving people the vision and, and, and the clarity. And people are looking for the answers and we don't necessarily have all the answers. And we're getting the information at the same time as them and trying to make sense of it and trying to give people the, the, the direction of travel and give them the uh, the vision that they sometimes need. How easy, Vince, was it for you to work from home and how did you cope with things, distractions like, you know, family and and all the rest of it. The first few months was great because we, we had no choice but to close up. The, <laughs> to close up, it was a seven-figure turnover every year that's been like that for yeah. twenty years. At the tap was running, and literally, yeah. when I say literally overnight, someone just turned mm. off the tap. I did not churn out an invoice for the first three months. Yeah. I was at home in the pool with the kids. That's not swimming; it's paddling pool, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and and it was great. I remember saying to my staff. Um, look, it's just going to be one month. Furloughs kicked in. I'll top up the other twenty percent, and I'll see you all in May. Mm. This was twenty twenty. Yeah. I didn't see some of them for, for eighteen months after that. Even my accountant said to me, "You promised them all top up the pay. So you carry on doing this. You know, this could go on for two years. You, you, you'll be bust. You know." Yeah. And again, I'll be totally honest. I had to go back cap in hand and say, "Look, we're, we're struggling. We're going to struggle as a business going forward to to top up the the twenty percent. Um, totally different. Um, mm. You know, actually, we had." It was there's no homework set in the mm. first lockdown. Literally yeah. every day, we were just a family at home in the garden. Of course, with my being having to shield as well, I couldn't go out. So mm. if there was anything to be done, um, it was just literally a laptop, an hour a day or two hours a day, which I managed to do when the kids was in bed. That's how little work it, it, it dried up overnight for mm. me. That brings me on to another issue that I, I wanted to talk about. One conversation that we had, Vince, on the telephone, which I'm not going to forget because... It made me weep. You, you may recall it or you may not, but I, I called you to see how you were getting on and you were driving up from Cornwall, I think it was, and it was in the first lockdown. And, and I said, what are you doing, Vince? And you said, I'm, I'm going to a meeting. And I thought, I thought, what, what are you going to a meeting? You know, you're, you're a transplant patient. You know, you are very vulnerable. 
mm-hmm. you're taking a, you know, a risk. And, and you said to me, Adrian, if the government's going to stop me working, but they're not, they're not paying my mortgage. So Saf and Vince, for all their hullabaloi and all the rest of it and all the Rishi magic stuff, the, the level of support that particularly the very vulnerable businesses had was a drop in the ocean, wasn't it, Saf, from the government? I think again, there's there's a couple of sides to that. I mean, there's some businesses who've done really well out of it, um, and there's pockets of businesses who've fallen through and got nothing. And um, you know, uh, so smaller businesses, you know, they they were given a grant for their sort of premises uh, if they were registered and they were paying rates. In some cases, uh, if if they were in flexible premises and they and they never had or they they don't have a council tax in their in their own name, they didn't get anything. So they were they they got the the bigger packages in terms of the the furlough scheme, the self employment scheme. But a lot of it depending on various rules, and you know you can easily get caught out. And many businesses got caught out. The bounce back loans were coming in for that benefit of you know if you did get caught out, then you've got an element of a loan. But again, that had a criteria as well. And what we find was that there's many individuals, many self employed individuals, many businesses that the packages weren't necessarily right for them. Most people, I would say, uh, were covered, but it's also that you know, so maybe twenty percent or so forth that really, unfortunately, weren't weren't covered, and because you've got that disparity there, they hit then, therefore, they hit harder, and uh, it affects them more, and uh, and again, you know, the 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 catch all, unfortunately, didn't catch all, and some of the people that were were left out were hit uh, hit harder, and it was a double whammy uh, effect. For them, I mean, so over to you. I mean, I can imagine the conversation you had with your wife and the family was, you know, what the heck are you going out for, Dad? You know, you you're at risk. I've got to, I've got to make a living. I mean, how do you feel about the level of support that that's been provided, and in particular for people that have got, you know, challenges like perhaps being vulnerable because of health or something like that? It, it was totally inadequate, wasn't it? Totally was. Uh, for me, it's a bit of a double whammy of a business owner who was shielding. So probably not in terms of percentage, not many business owners of limited companies, of SMEs that were, were shielding. So on one hand, you you couldn't really work, um, especially if business involved going out. But the philosophy is you make a profit. When you make a profit, you take that out. You make £1,000 a month, you take it out. You make £5,000 a month, you take it out. But when someone turns the tap off, that's not through your doing, through a, a third party uh, you can't even control of, you know, there was no profit to take out then. Of course, you're not classed as self-employed. You're a limited company director. You built up a business for 20 years. Uh, the income stops. Where, where do you go? You know, there's a, another philosophy that I've personally taken on was I've always built up some retained profit in my business, which had seen me through COVID. If I'd not took that decision way back in the early days to always keep what I would some retained profit in the business as a float, I probably wouldn't be here today um, and, and talking about it. You know, I've always built my business up to build it back down. And, and for me, that's, that's been key that as we, we stage things up or turn things on, I know that I can turn them things up again should, because I'm in a volatile industry, because we've got Ash Cloud, because we're volatile to fuel pricing, financial markets, COVID. Um, that's just, again, my own my own way of working. And, and it paid off in the end. We was able to switch certain things off and, and survive. But it was a, a, an awful time. I think what the main thing for me is how long it stretched out in the end. 
I still stand by that first month. It was only going to be a month. And I still look back as a, as a laughing moment to think that two years later, we're now just, just getting back, hopefully, on our feet and seeing some percentage return, high percentage return in aviation. How do you feel, stuff when you hear those kind of stories? Well, what did it make you feel? I mean, you, it, it really brings home to me, doesn't it, just how unequal, you know, the COVID business was and what did it make you feel? I think we've reflected on it a number of times and I think the more you reflect on it, you know, you come back to the same conclusion, the fact that we were, at that time, we were definitely in uncharted territory. Mm. Uh, we didn't know and we underestimated or overestimated depending on what it is and, you know, we had nothing to sort of benchmark this from. You know, the, there was no experience could help. There was no, there was no experience there. You know, so you had to really work it from the information that you had. And for most of us, we didn't have the information and uh, we had to rely on government sources and you needed a strong, reliable, trustworthy government that would give you the information that they needed. And some of the things that are coming out now in terms of how government was were behaving uh, is going to hurt because the the you know that disparity was there, so they were saying certain things. Again, it's a do as I say, but not necessarily as I act, and that hurts now. But you know, we've we've all you know, potentially you know I think we've lost people that that we know you know whether it's directly loved ones or people that you know neighbors or friends or friends of friends or you know, relatives of friends, and we've all been impacted. You know, I've, I've had occasions where, you know, we weren't able to grieve properly with uh, family members and, and we weren't able to do the things that we, we do and take for granted. Um, and, you know, individuals, family members that weren't able to see uh, see each other, care homes, if you look at how they were affected. There's just so many aspects of it, and I think... I think we can dwell on this, but it, it makes you sad. It definitely makes you sad. But at the same time, we can't lose hope and, you know, we need to move on and uh, look ahead uh, because that's what, you know, we as, as people, we we need to have hope and we need to be remain hopeful. Otherwise, you know, just, just thinking about the past will affect us more and it's about, it's about our ability to really recover now and move on. And, and part of that has to be an element where, you know, we as individuals need to start thinking about ahead now and, and, and learn from the past in terms of whatever we, we, we can learn. But not all of that is adaptable and not all of that is going to be relevant for us Resilience for me was summed up in a photograph on a social media site of Vince unloading bags from a plane. And he said, you know, he's built up a, a big business and, you know, circumstances mean that, you know, he's, he's driving the vans and he's doing all the other things. And that, for me, summed up what resilience is. We're running a bit short of time now. Running a business can be a very lonely place and make people feel very, very isolated. So both of you, perhaps you, Vince, first, have you got people that you can turn to when when the clouds are gathering and, and, and talk to and help you come through or, or is it something you have to deal with largely alone? The latter. Probably 99% again on my own, uh, that there's been no, I mean, luckily I've got a wife that's just qualified as a counsellor. So mental health wise, there's always assistance there. But in terms of business, I, I just I just feel the people to turn to, but it's always seems to be, well, if you want to pay £250 joining fee or this annual membership fee, we can give you this advice or would you like to buy this first? You know, we can help you here. There are all these grants available, but, but you need to do this first. In terms of just picking up the phone for, for, for advice, to an issue no but then 
Sasha, that's what makes you stronger is you've got to, actually it becomes a challenge to wade through that issue yourself then. You actually think, you know, you become self-determined to go, well, actually, do I need outside help? I'll get through this myself, you know, as much as I say that you'd be nice to pick up the phone to somebody and get some free advice. So how would you deal with this? And this is where I think you'll probably agree there's other business people you speak to, mm. other colleagues at their own businesses and you bounce off each other. Mm. That to me, again, is the best, the best way forward in a crisis, really. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I, I think we, can, you know, for example, like you know, I've got friends that I can talk to, but they can't relate to necessarily the issues that I've, that I'm dealing with because they they look at it from a different perspective, and we generalize. You know, yeah, we'll get over it and so forth. That doesn't necessarily help. So the best source of information or best source there is people who've who who can actually relate to this. Uh, who are dealing with this at the same time. And so from my perspective, it's often competitors uh, mm. who, you know, who become sort of comrades and colleagues and help people who are in a very similar situation to yourself and potentially similar industry to yourself as well. In some cases, yes, when you're talking about genetics in terms of, you know, the financial thing or, you know, you're talking about people who are, you know, who you, you could talk to on a general basis, but if it's industry matters, it's industry peers you know, who sometimes are sometimes competitors or part of your sort of supply chain or, you know, who are working with you, who can talk your language, you know, who understand exactly what you're going through, who you don't have to explain everything to. Sometimes, you know, our partners and wives and so forth, you know, there's going to be that gap. They don't have necessarily the knowledge and they could talk to you generally. They can say, yeah, you know, come on, you know, we'll get over it. But it doesn't really land with you and we need to have those people that, you really understand exactly what you're going through, understand your jargon, understand your language, understand what you're, you know, what you're feeling, and you can feel that you can actually talk to them without having to actually explain every single nook and cranny. And I think that's where, you know, that relatability comes in. And it only sometimes comes in from true peers from your industry. Even yourself, uh, uh, Adrian, you know, I regard you as a friend, but you're not going to understand every single aspect of my business and you're not going to be able to relate. So even though you you mean well and say, you know what, I can help. And there's many occasions we say, you know what, I'm here. I'm here for you. I can talk, you know, talk to me. Sometimes I can't because you're not understanding fully our industry. Likewise, I wouldn't understand your industry, but I, I can sympathize, I can empathize, I'll support you, but you know, I'm not going to be able to relate to every single aspect of it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I think just being a, a listening board yeah. can help. Yes, of course. Um, finally, and not quite a yes or no answer from both of you, but we are running out of time. If both of you had your time again, if you could go back to the 18-year-old Vince and the 18-year-old Seth, do you think you'd follow the same path that you have? I'm swinging more to yes, I probably would have done, yeah. Whether I've been in it so long, it's hard to see myself doing something else. But still from that young age, my passion was aviation. Unfortunately, I was lucky enough to live down the road from the airport and that's after school where I'd end up going on my bike every day and I think from that then sent me into the industry I, you know it, it was it's it's strange it's I, I think I would actually yeah I would be in aviation doing something but I think put it that way what else in aviation I, I'm not quite sure but yeah certainly in the industry. Zach would you? I, th I think I think we're at the position of you know the journey that we've had is what has made us so if we try and change any of that, we'll be too worried in terms of what would change us because it's a combination of all of those, the combination of the knocks, the failures, the combination of those mistakes, the combination of the good times that, is, that has actually make, has made us. And, you know, it's easy for us to say, you know what, well, I want to take this out, take this out, take this out. 
and just have all the good or, you know, you can extrapolate some of that and take out maybe 10 years of the the bad stuff or the wilderness. Uh, but, you know, then you're changing the makeup of who we are and the makeup of who we are is some of the negatives, unfortunately, some mm-hmm. of the downsides, so the marriage breakdowns, the difficulties that we've had, the parents that we've lost, all of that is what, what has made us who we are. And, and we've got to be grateful and thankful for the fact that, you know, we are where we are. And hopefully, mm-hmm. again, looking forward now in terms of rather than reminiscing too much of the back, but, you know, again, have that gratitude of, you know, well, the we, experience. We're going to finish our conversation, but briefly, Staff, I've been inspired by Vince. I've been inspired by him. For a lot of years. But I, I hope our listeners that have heard his story will get something from it in the terms of, you know, come through tough times, but I'm still standing as the lyric goes. What do you say? <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've waited a long time to meet Vince and you've been talking about him for, for, for many years. And as you rightly said, he's a very humble guy, very down to earth and a person that, you know, actually inspires you without actually having to make a big song and dance about it. Just being him, being Vince. Uh, so really appreciate Vince, yeah. your, your, the opportunity for you to uh, come and share uh, your, your journey and your thoughts with us. Gentlemen, we curtail our canny conversation with a cause. We hope that um, you've enjoyed listening. Uh, If you have, then like us, subscribe, uh, and also let us know what you think. uh, And do stay safe until the next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with a cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safras Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit SAF's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. Canning Conversations with a Cause are produced by Pathway Group, who have a mission to change lives through skills and work. And they do this through upskilling and reskilling individuals by getting them firstly into sustainable employment and tackling the talent and skills issues commonly faced by businesses. In addition to their core skills and employability business, Pathway Group also actively promote diversity, equality and inclusion and have initiated causes such as the BAME Apprentice Network, the BAME Apprenticeship Awards and the Festival of Apprenticeships. This is a 1386 audio production.